the Knowledge from the Couch podcast. It's knowledge you could definitely live without. But hey, it's still fun to learn something new and weird, right? Thanks for listening. from the couch episode three coming at you uh i'm kyle host update week three host update um i'm still here so three whole weeks and we still haven't found anybody who would rather do this than me so for now the third week in a row you're still stuck with me that's okay hopefully we've been having fun so far i've been having a lot of fun recording these podcasts and and just looking up weird stuff that I want to talk about for for 20ish minutes. So, uh, yeah. How's everybody doing? You know, everybody out there in in random land or you know, just me looking at my computer screen talking to myself. How am I doing? Oh, you know, pretty decent, pretty decent. Uh, as of this recording, we just witnessed a uh, the great American eclipse on August 21st. So that was a a, a super cool Super crazy, you know, very rare, at least rare in in terms of one that will pass by your area. A super rare event that is really fun. And actually, it has inspired me to to do the next episode. Episode four is going to be about the crazy or weird or just interesting events that happened either during eclipses or after eclipses or because of eclipses. So... Episode 4, after this one, is going to be all about weird shit or interesting shit that happened because of eclipses. Now, that can mean solar eclipses or lunar eclipses. The difference being a solar eclipse, the sun gets blocked out, and in a lunar eclipse, the moon gets quote-unquote blocked out. In a solar eclipse, the moon gets in between the Earth and the sun, and a lunar eclipse, the uh, Earth gets between the sun and the moon. So, you know, random science-y type stuff, I guess. Um, hey, maybe we'll cover some some fun science stuff later on. Or maybe we'll cover a, an interesting uh, scientific figure in history. I guess we'll have to see. I guess we'll have to think about it. But today's episode, today's episode is going to be me basically collating. Collating is a bad, stupid word. Why do I use that word? Me sort of uh, of gathering... Things that I find interesting in terms of uh, of the world of, of misconceptions. There are a lot of common misconceptions in the world. There are a lot of things that people think are the truth, whether it's because they heard it at one point or they heard it enough times from enough different people that they take it as fact rather than fiction. Or, you know, just you you hear things over time and eventually those things just sort of stick. You don't really think about it very often. You just kind of accept it as the truth. So, I'm going to go through a little list. And yes, this is going to be a little bit more listy than usual instead of of looking at a a specific subject or a specific matter of fact. I'm going to look at, you know, probably mm, maybe 8 to 10 or so 
common misconceptions, and we'll just talk about each one a little bit before we close it up with, of course, a non sequitur fact of the day, which is what it's just going to feel like this is. So you can probably call this misconceptions plus one when it's all said and done. So I hope everybody's uh, been enjoying listening to the podcast so far. And without further ado, let's talk a little bit about some common misconceptions. the way I want to do this one is I'm gonna I'm gonna pull maybe six or seven kind of misconceptions from history itself since this podcast is going to be geared pretty much always toward a more historical angle and then I'm just going to pick a couple that I like that are uh out in the kind of the the, the normal culture or in science or something else like that and we'll hit that non-sequitur fact of the day at the end and we'll be good to go so the first kind of misconception I want to cover here quick is kind of a bigger one. The misconception that medieval Europeans thought the earth was flat or the misconception that literally everybody back in Columbus's time, which would have been in the, uh, the late 15th and early 16th century, thought that the earth was flat and that Christopher Columbus was some sort of, some sort of genius hero who wanted to prove everyone wrong by sailing west and proving that, oh, he could reach where he was going to reach because the earth was round, not, you know, just fall off the edge of the earth. A lot of people who, especially the educated, now you might get that from the very non-educated because back in this time there were still really huge gaps between those who were really educated, usually the nobility, the the church and and the mercantile class people who had some means and some money they would be the people who would be a lot more educated and a lot more privy to these sort of facts may be the ones that we're talking about uh believing in a spherical earth as opposed to a flat earth where common folk you know common folk who farm for a living or even the the other poor beggar types maybe would feel a little bit differently about that, but there's this big misconception that literally everybody back in the day thought that, oh, the Earth's flat. Yeah, of course. Of course, I look outside and I see the horizon and it looks flat to me, so it's flat. That's really only a small section of super dumb people these days, and it was still probably a small section of less, and I'm going to call them less informed people back in those days. The reason... Christopher Columbus is brought into this is because he is one of the first Europeans to make his way west and run into what we would consider the Americas, in quote. Not the United States. Columbus never hit anywhere in the United States. He only hit South America and Caribbean islands. He never actually hit the mainland United States, and he wasn't the first quote-unquote European to make it this far. Leif Erikson and his crew 
of Vikings made it over here many, many hundreds of years earlier, but it's sort of the first, I guess you could call mainstream European, you know, uh, cultures that included the English and the Spanish and the Portuguese and the French and the Dutch, that kind of European. Christopher Columbus was one of the first guys who made it this direction and ran into ran into the new world, so to speak. Now, people have believed that the earth was round for a long time, even going all the way back to ancient Greece before, you know, before the birth of Christ. People like Plato and Aristotle believed that the earth was spherical. Um, there was more debate maybe in how big the earth was or how big the sun was or how far away those were from each other or, you know, the way planets you know, the way they travel around the Earth, because if you look up in the sky, you might look at Mars and see Mars move across the sky in one direction, then all of a sudden it moves backwards, which is called retrograde motion. The planets don't move like that normally, but if you are in a, a farther circle on the inside of, a, of an orbit, so say Earth to Mars, Earth is closer to the Sun, it's going to appear at some point that Mars is traveling backwards. It's not, but from your perception, it is. So that's the toughest part when it comes to things like, you know, is the earth round, blah, blah, blah. Any of the astronomy things is more a lack of, of, of instruments to really be super uh, accurate about it. And in fact, we're going to do an episode on Christopher Columbus and how much of a fucking asshole he was. Um, very few redeeming qualities about the guy, despite being lauded as a hero. But that's mostly beside the point. At this point, Columbus figured, and he figured correctly, that if he sailed west, he would eventually run into landmass because the Earth is round. Now, most Europeans agreed that, like we're saying, that the Earth was round. They just didn't know, for the most part, that there was anything west of, you know, west of Europe. They figured that if they did run into, you know, the the Eastern Asian islands like Japan or uh, Indonesia or anything that you would run into on that side, they figured the ocean was so, so large that you would definitely run out of supplies and die before you were able to make it there with, you know, what you could sail with at the time. And that's because there were people who really accurately found, you know, the diameter of the earth. It's actually really surprising. There are some people who, who calculated very, very close to what, what it was the the diameter earth and since nobody really had a good idea about what was out there between europe and asia they just figured and a reasonable figuring if you don't know and you haven't seen it that it was just all ocean so you figure okay well it's really huge trying to get anywhere out in the ocean with these little sailing ships that we have we definitely can't make this like seven thousand mile ocean trip with what we have so nobody's going to try it well, Columbus is a dipshit and thinks the Earth is way smaller than it is. He figures, oh, the Earth is only this big. And if I sail west, I will definitely run into the Indies. Now, when he ran into what he ran into, he thought he had made it to Asia. That's where all the naming conventions come from. He's dumb because he actually ran into a gigantic continent or two continents that lie in between, you know, where Europe is and where Asia is, you know, there's an old complete other ocean on the other side. So 
people were right. The Earth was the correct size. They just didn't know that there were two huge continents laying right in the middle. Columbus just happened to bump into them. So people didn't believe the Earth was flat. They definitely believed it was round. They just didn't know what was out there. Columbus just made a stupid, idiotic calculation and happened to bump into something very luckily for him and his crew because they were very close to mutinying against the guy. And that's kind of where the European craziness into the quote-unquote new world started to happen so another misconception and these are going to be all over the place i'm not i'm not choosing a theme or anything i'm not choosing oh we're all going to, we're just going to talk completely and utterly about you know sailing today we're going to talk about uh the exploration of these these original you know explorers and conquistadors and things like that we're just going to talk about a few random things that i found super interesting that i just wanted to touch on a little bit and then we're going to go from there the second one I, I saw that I really liked was this idea that it's actually kind of two things. It's chastity belts and the Iron Maiden. Two re- really unrelated things, but you'll kind of see that a huge reason why these misconceptions exist is because people love a story. And record keeping wasn't the best when record keeping and just keeping of, of artifacts in general wasn't the best back in the day so if somebody had an idea about something and wanted to write about it i mean who's to say that that person is lying you know so if somebody makes something up or they find an artifact and say oh this must have just been this and then that's where the 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 rumor gets started then that's what it is so when i put those two things together those are both quote medieval implements that people thought were super common. And then you get things like, you know, Robin Hood men in tights where, you know, the, the chastity belt on Maid Marian is a, is a, is a huge part of the comedy in that movie. Chastity belts probably did not even exist in medieval times at all. Those are probably more of a sort of a, a Victorian era, uh, head construct, so to speak, something that people thought of they thought existed or maybe somebody made an attempt to make something like that later on um because you know of of victorian attitudes toward uh human sexuality being a a little bit less progressive than they are today probably probably made that belief you know something people thought were fact because they figured oh well yeah in medieval times nobody wanted uh the the young woman to sleep with anybody so we're just going to slap a humongous metal belt on her and that's going to be what we do Probably didn't happen. Probably very unlikely that it happened. Um, and I talked about Iron Maidens as well. An Iron Maiden, if you aren't aware, is a, a supposed torture device where you shut somebody in this coffin sort of thing, and it's got blades and stuff on all the sides. So when you shut it, you basically stab somebody like a bunch of times and they die. Um, either die or you slow shut it slowly and it stabs them slow, and it's an awful thing. And there definitely were some really, really awful medieval torture devices and maybe we'll we'll do an episode on that i don't know if i really want to get into that kind of gory stuff on my show i don't think this is that type of show but if somebody wants to hear about you know torture devices and ridiculous shit that people used to do to people back in medieval times there's a reason why game of thrones has source material for the kind of shit you see on that show because People already thought of that stuff. This is not from the deranged mind of George R. R. Martin. People were like that. But in terms of the actual Iron Maiden implement itself, probably didn't exist. It was it was 
like I said, pieces put together of something that somebody sort of had their own idea about, saying, oh, this must have been this must have been some sort of coffin torture device. I guess it's an Iron Maiden. Write a story. Now we all believe it. So probably not as as existing as as we all think it was. Uh, a third one, and this one I, I actually found very interesting because this was one that I never really thought about and I was never very skeptical about. But during the Salem witch trials, those witches, in quotes, were not actually burned at the stake. Now, the burning at the stake was has become this huge idea, and you see it a lot, especially in things like, you know, uh, Salem, a show on WGN, or American Horror Story, whichever the one was called with the witches. There's this idea that if you're a witch, you have to be burned at the stake, and that's how you kill a witch. In fact, basically everybody who was accused of being a witch... 15 of those people died just in prison because if you're in a 17th century prison, it's going to suck ass and you might just die. 19 of them were hanged, and hanging was a much more common method of execution back in these days than burning someone at the stake. Hanging actually stuck around for a very long time. Um, I don't believe it's used anymore anywhere in the developed world. I could be wrong, but it was actually used up to very, very recently. Um, and then one was uh, pressed to death. And pressing to death is a, is a pretty awful way to die. But basically you just sit under uh, like a pallet or a big piece of wood. And people just put rocks on it. And eventually it gets heavier and heavier until you can't breathe and you get crushed to death. But nobody was burned. So that's a huge misconception that people are being witches uh, and them burning to death. Uh, George Washington. And I think we're going to do an episode of George Washington pretty soon. Because there's a lot interesting on him, just like there is on uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Washington, there's this huge misconception, this huge, for some reason, idea that the dude had wooden teeth. He didn't have wooden teeth. I don't know where that came from. I'm assuming just somebody wrote about it once. It was like, oh, yeah, people believe that. If I say somebody from you know the 1700s had wooden teeth and they can't prove me wrong, so he must have wooden teeth. It's actually shown that the dentures, he did have dentures. He did have fake teeth. But they were probably made of of gold. Uh, it says here hippopotamus ivory, lead because you got to put lead in your mouth because it was that time. Um, some animal teeth and probably some teeth from slaves. So yeah, the whole slave thing back in those days kind of you know rears its ugly head one more time. Another misconception. This one's super duper popular that Napoleon Bonaparte was short. He's not terribly tall. Um, I am a six foot tall person and Napoleon would be short standing next to me, but he was probably actually about five foot seven, which is pretty close to the, to the average height of the modern day American male. I think the modern American male is somewhere around five, eight and a half or so. So really Napoleon wouldn't be a short dude by any means if you're looking at people in your everyday life. Now he was he was called five foot two back in his day. And actually funny story that five foot two is from a measurement system that he himself came up with. It was sort of a, a, a compromise between the metric system and standard or imperial systems that the English would use. And they were so widely varied that when it came down to it, they put him as a five foot two and that's in French feet, but he was actually probably about five foot seven. So pretty, pretty average dude, pretty average guy. The Great Chicago Fire. So there was a huge fire in Chicago in 1871 that burned a ton of the city down. 
and it was super devastating. And the big rumor was that some cow, Mrs. O'Leary, Mrs. O'Leary's cow, kicked over a lantern in a barn somewhere and started the whole fire in Chicago. That's very likely made up by a newspaper reporter to make a, a, a colorful or an interesting story. Looking back, there's no exact cause that people have found, but it's likely, more likely, I should say, that it was probably caused either by a, a bunch of drunk miscreants fucking around, gambling, playing cards, drinking in a barn and, you know, knocking something over and starting a fire. And there was also reports of a lot of other fires going on in the Midwest around that time, just probably a, a dry season. So much more likely. But it, it sounds interesting, you know, to say, oh, some cow was just walking around, and knocked over a lantern, burned half of Chicago down. Um, probably didn't happen that way, though. So. Uh, the last historical one that I want to cover quick is is a funny thing. Um, I've always been a huge sci-fi person. That's why I do kind of want to, at some point, wander into the realm of science and technology with this podcast in terms of probably a more historical spin, but we may even go farther away than that because I've always been, I've always been a guy who loves science and science fiction. Um, ever since I was a little kid, you know, my dad instilled in me this love of Star Wars and Star Trek and everything that had to do with science and science fiction and just everything. So I was well aware of H.G. Wells and then the Orson Welles radio adaptation of The War of the Worlds. The War of the Worlds is a story about how Martians would be invading the Earth and taking over. Um, 1938 was when it first came out on radio. It was a book before by the aforementioned H.G. Uh, Wells. You might remember it more recently as a movie that Tom Cruise is in uh, with, I believe, Haley Joel Osment, I think, is in that as well. Um, either way, there was this huge rumor created that there was widespread uh, panic everywhere in the United States because people, apparently at this time, according to this widespread rumor, were so stupid that when they listened to the radio, they thought Martians were actually invading the United States and it wasn't just a story it was an actual you know broadcast and we all had to run away because the Martians were coming now am I saying that there weren't a few people that were super dumb and thought that was the case probably not that happens today when people see something there there's no critical thinking with some people and they will just see something at face value even if it is obviously not true and freak the fuck out because of it. So am I saying that there wasn't somebody who was not super stupid at this time and, and freaked out and thought Martians were blasting shit and invading? It's it's likely that somebody thought that way, but it's probably more likely that... So at this point, you had two big mediums um, for media, medium being the powerful medium. You had the newspaper which is more old school. Newspapers have been around for a long time, the printed word, and then you had a newer technology. doesn't sound new now, but it was new then in radio. Uh, you'll get television then a few, probably a couple decades or so after this pops up, but you had newspaper and radio. You also had, <clears throat> especially in the United States, this sort of capitalistic advertising that was going on then. It still goes on now, but it was going on then as well. And newspaper had been, obviously, the king of the roost for a, a long, long time. And it's very likely that a lot of newspapers 
felt threatened by this new radio medium because advertisers could advertise either more or in a different way or a more engaging way on the radio than they could in newspapers. So they were sort of threatened by it. And this was sort of a way to, to say that it was, you know, a discrediting of radio. Like, oh, radio sucks. Look at this. People are crazy and they're freaking out because of radio. That never would happen in, in journalism. <clears throat> don't, um, don't, don't remember the Spanish-American War, you know, an entire war basically based on journalists being fuckheads. But, you know, that never happened. That was probably a rumor made up by people who were in charge of one thing that wanted to discredit another thing. The funny and ironic part is that that whole thing probably led to uh, War of the Worlds being more popular because that's the whole thing. When you get something that, whether it's good news, bad news, you know, in these cases, all press is good press, whether it's good or bad. So it was good for Orson Welles and that radio adaptation because War of the Worlds became way more popular and ended up selling a lot more. So in the end, it was actually pretty good and helped its longevity to the point where they made, you know, a Tom Cruise movie about it like 70 years later. Okay, and a couple more super quick uh, misconceptions that we're almost at the end of the episode now. Um, two more real quick that don't have anything to do with history. One random one that I saw that I was like, yeah, we need to talk about that one quick. Bulls don't get mad at the color red. You know, there's this huge idea that if you just wear red or have a red, you know, uh, cape, or a red, uh, whatever you would call it, where you you know you fly that in front of the bull, bull sees red, bull goes fucking crazy, and that's where, by the way, the expression "seeing red" comes from when you get angry. Uh, a bull seeing red and going, "Well, I got I got to run at that goddamn thing because I'm pissed off," is probably total bullshit. Bulls are uh, dichromic, meaning they see they see color, they just don't see as many colors as humans do. Hum- humans are tri. Chromic, meaning the cones in our eyes can see uh, blue, red, and green, if I'm uh, not so much mistaken, um, and combine those to make all kinds of vibrant colors. Uh, bulls, uh, in this case, and dogs as well, are dichromic or bichromic, meaning that they have two cones. So they see color, they just don't see as much or as vibrant color as humans do. It's not the redness that is pissing the bulls off, by the way. The thing that's pissing the bulls off is that they've been paraded into this thing. People are yelling and screaming at the bull. The bull at this point has been stabbed a whole bunch of times with lances. It's losing blood. It's pissed off. The thing is being basically murdered super slowly for show. And now this jack-off with this colorful uniform is goading it on. Of course it's pissed off and just wants to fight back. That's the only thing. You've basically tapped into this bull's this bull's survival mechanism, and he's mad. It's not anything to do with the red. It's not anything to do with, uh, you know, the Olay bullshit. It's just that he's pissed off because people stabbed him a bunch of times, and they're goading him on, basically. And the final one, and this one just blows my mind that this isn't common knowledge, but it shouldn't make me that, you know, it shouldn't be that crazy to me, but it is, that the seasons on Earth, okay, so seasons on Earth are caused by the Earth's axial tilt. So if you've ever seen the Earth as it rotates around the sun, as it, I should say it revolves, excuse me, it revolves around the sun and then rotates to make days. When it's rotating, it wobbles. It wobbles and um, it wobbles slowly, but it does wobble. And when you're 
when you change seasons, it's as the Earth tips toward the sun in a certain direction. So I live in the Northern Hemisphere. I live in the United States. So when the Earth is tipped towards the sun, that is the summer. It gets warmer here because the top half is being tilted close to the sun. It has more direct sunlight, and the days last longer. That is between uh, June and September, usually as that's the summer solstice is. So same thing in the southern hemisphere, only opposite. So as it becomes fall or autumn and winter here in my in my neck of the woods, it becomes spring and summer in the southern hemisphere as that tilts close to the sun and my half tips away from the sun. There's this dumb misconception that somehow the earth just gets closer or goes farther away from the sun in some weird way. And that's the reason why seasons happen. That's not the reason why seasons happen. It's because of the axial tilt. Also, there are some people who think, oh man, the earth is so perfectly created. It has to be perfect. If the earth was even one foot farther away from the sun, we would all just die. That is total bullshit. That is the stupidest thing I think of all the things on here that I've heard. Because if you look at just science and astronomy in general, there are what are called habitable zones around stars. And those habitable zones depend on a star's, you know, heat, how, how, much, how much energy it can put out as it radiates from itself. So like a bigger and brighter and hotter star would have a much farther away habitable zone because its energy is so high, so close, it takes a while to dissipate it down. And we're talking about habitable um, in terms of water and human-based life. So the Earth has a pretty big chunk of habitable zone where liquid water can exist, and liquid water being the medium that we sort of all use to, to live. Um, the Earth could be a lot closer to the sun and still have liquid water. It would just be overall hotter on the planet, just as a matter of fact. And if you go farther away in that habitable zone, you'll still have liquid water. It's just that the planet would be colder on average. It wouldn't just be like, oh, man, we bumped Earth one foot. Now we're all fucked and we're dead. It's just the dumbest, most misunderstanding sort of thing. But I can't blame it too bad because space stuff is really complicated when you get down to it. And it can be really difficult to wrap your mind around some of the really complex things. And I don't claim to be an expert by any means. But, you know, if you were thinking, oh, man, I definitely understand why seasons happen. It's because the, the, the Earth just is closer or the sun is hotter or something. Nope, it's just because the Earth wobbles and we wobble closer on the northern hemisphere and it becomes summer. Then we wobble northern on the southern hemisphere. Then it becomes summer as well. Hooray. So yeah, that's that's it. That actually turned out to be a way longer show than I thought it was going to be because I kind of get a little ranty with how things go. So I hope you didn't turn it off, you know, three minutes in because although I don't think it got a whole ton better, it definitely stayed interesting for the most part. And now, since we're, you know, not done with our fun facts yet, let's hit that regular old non sequitur fact of the day. Did you know that the blue whale's heart is about as big as a Volkswagen Beetle? Oh, holy shit. True story.
guys, thank you so much for listening once again. I can't believe that we've done this three times now. It's it's amazing. It's still still one of the funnest things I've ever done. I, I love doing this, even if you hate me doing it. I really, really have a good time doing this. It's so much fun. Thank you all for listening. Uh, next week's episode, episode four, is going to be about events happening during uh, eclipses. So in honor of the great American eclipse that just happened here. Uh, so yeah, you can find me at Kyle Steinhauser on Twitter, at Kyle F. Steinhauser on Instagram, Kyle Steinhauser on Facebook. Um, you can email the show at knowledgecouch at gmail.com if you want to tell me I suck balls or you want to tell me the show is fun or if there's you know anything in between or if you have suggestions of things you want to hear about. So yes, awesome. Thanks, guys. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcast. You can find it on Stitcher. You can find it on YouTube. And if I can find out other ways to put it out there for people to listen to, that's going to be a place you can find it too. Um, But until next time, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you so, so much. Say, hold me, gone, take a second. Just one second, just gone, take a second. Say, what's the levels, gone, check them. Cause all the shit I'm about to go and drop so epic, yeah. Life feeling so different. Look up at the sky like damn earth shifted. I just be the one woke up with a vision. And feeling like nobody else gon' get it, but. Stay down with my own team. I'm faded, EJ, got it on tree. Can't talk about the things that they won't see. Sit back in my mind, let it roam free. Give a fuck if I'm late. Yeah, and now